I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to My Millennial Money. Hey, today on the show, we're talking all things negative gearing. What the hell is it? Why do I care about it? Why is every politician talking about it? And we have a look at some rent vesting case studies. Hey, Johnny boy, how are you? Hey, where do we get those new tunes from? I'm loving them. How cool is it? It's so fresh. Beautiful. So, I don't know. I could be incriminating myself, but... You know when they talk on the news, like, allegedly and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Hypothetically, I may have had a licensing problem with that right. last intro. Yeah. So, I paid for a... Hypothetically, I may have paid for a license. Hypothetically or allegedly, hypothetically, whatever, may have not allowed to use it for an intro song without right. paying 20 grand a year. Yeah. So, you know what? Times are a-changing, John. Yeah. And uh, we've got to freshen up. I will say a couple of things. Uh, I just want to give everyone an update. As you know, Erin's little girl, she broke her elbow and her arm and there's pins in it and all that. Um, Erin may not be on the show till uh, next year's season just because she's so flat out. You know, she's a commuter. She's a professional, like, career woman. She's got kids. She's got plaster casts yep. and um, We're the least of her concern a little um, come and hang out with Johnny and Glenn for, yeah. no. <laughs> for no yeah it just it's not going to happen so we just said to Aaron hey take the year off and um, she's keen to get back on the mic and you know we've got a couple of interviews coming up in the city and I might be able to grab her and um, yeah, yeah so but, stick with us through so these stick, hard times stick with <laughs> us it's, it's tragic but uh, <laughs> she will still be hanging around um, our private Facebook group um that's our main connection point, and also Instagram at My Millennial Money. And before we get into the topic, I just wanted to give everyone an update that we are still looking for a financial sponsor for the show. So, if you do hear in the future that there might be a commercial sponsorship shout out, just giving everyone notice that the reason we need to do that is so times like this, Erin um, can, you know, maybe tell her work to shove it, mm. and she still could still get paid by being on the podcast. So that's it. We um and I personally I've said this before I hate ads, uh, so we'll, we'll be a brand that we think um, that we believe in and possibly use ourselves, and don't think it's rubbish. So yep, I um, just wanted to be clear and transparent always uh, with that. In earlier episodes, the music was too loud at the end. Well, we edit the podcast now, so we've decided to make the music too loud at the start. What is negative gearing? You know, it's 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 so political, isn't it, at the it moment? Is. It is. Um, I looked online and um, 
what is negative gearing? An investment property is negatively geared if the net rental income after deducting expenses is less than the interest borrowed on the funds. So I guess what we want to do is just explain to you today um, what is negative gearing so you've got a really clear understanding and easy concept so you know when you hear it on the news or you might be thinking about, oh, do I buy a property? Do I do it negatively geared? All that stuff. We just want to step it out in a very methodical way so you can actually understand the concepts of that. Mm. So, I thought I would do some rough numbers. Or did you want to jump in and say anything before we do this little case study, Johnny? Yeah, look, I suppose that definition's great. It talks about the interest on the borrowed funds. However, However I'm wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> Wikipedia and Glenn are incorrect. Hey, that wasn't from Wikipedia. (laughs) No, look, uh, it's correct in one sense, but as an investor, we need to take into account that there are more running expenses that are not factored into there, and we'll go into that in a bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, again, like, I I don't want to give you enough information to have a, a tax degree in mm. these 20 minutes, but I want you to be understanding the concepts of uh, how it works. Yeah. So, let's just, as an example, we'll, we'll start with if an individual was earning $70,000 a year, okay, just plus super on top, whatever, that's cool. Yeah. Let's just say they earned $70,000 a year. I went into taxcalc.com.au, which I just use that. It's a Yeah, I'll use that. Yeah, it's an easy tax calculator website. I popped in 70K income. There was about $15,000 in tax that that individual would would pay, you know, without any deductions per year, okay? So, let's assume that this individual had an investment property. And again, for this purpose, it doesn't matter what the investment property is really worth per se, but let's, let's assume that... After they've received the rent, okay, and after they've paid interest, paid the plumber for a water leak or paid some rates or any expenses. Property management fees. Yep. So, the basically, the cost to run the property, let's assume that that was $5,000, okay? Let's also assume that it was a brand new property and there is a depreciation schedule for that property. Mm-hmm. How would you say in a clear, concise way, John, what depreciation is? Yeah, so in, in Property Investing 101, uh, as a rule of thumb, land goes up in value and building value comes down. Sure. Right Now, the newer the property, a brand new property will have a 30-year depreciation schedule done on it. So if that house is 35 years old it's fair to say if there's no improvements been done on it that you won't be able to claim any depreciation for that year that you own that yeah so right. the, the depreciation is a, a a line item write-off as an expense of how the value of the timber is decreasing yep and and all the associated items within that within the build so brand new you'll you'll maximize your depreciation per annum and then over the 30 years the depreciation depreciation amount will gradually decrease. Yeah. And if we can just deviate very slightly there, and then we'll get back to this example, this is why some investors, including myself, I only want to buy brand new investment properties for two reasons, the depreciation, but again, that's not the primary reason why Mm -hmm. we do something. But secondly, I want a new property with less drama and hassles and 
sometimes you can get a better quality tenant. Yeah, correct. On all those points in, in general. Yep. Um, and I suppose with the proposed negative gear and changes that we'll talk about. May imp- impact that going forward. Absolutely. So let's assume the cost to run the property. So after the rent's been received, uh, we've paid the plumber, we've paid the rates, we've paid the real estate agent to manage it. It costs $5,000 out of pocket. And then we can add a line item of $7,000 a year for depreciation. So the net loss on paper would be $12,000. So your 5K running costs and your 7K depreciation. Sweet. So if I put $58,000 into the tax calc, mm-hmm. so that means when your accountant does the tax return, they you will, you will pay tax on $58,000 of income not $70,000 worth of income. Yep. So that means you would only pay $11,000 in tax, not uh, fifteen. dollars So we're saving about $4,000 in tax. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that sounds amazing, right? I'm paying less tax. Um, but really, I've it's cost me $5,000 a year to run out of pocket, just in terms of cash. Yep. And I'm only saving $4,000 in tax, uh, any comments there, John? So, so that thousand dollars as a net result, you're a thousand dollars in the hole sure. as a negative after everything's been taken into account: tax rates, running costs, income from rent, etc. So, the first and foremost, the analogy or the comment of let's buy something for negative gearing purposes is a fallacy and shouldn't be done. Yes. Is it a side benefit to reduce some tax along the way? Absolutely. As long as you know your numbers. So when I talk to my clients about their holding costs, there's a figure before tax and then there's a figure after tax. If your figure after tax is in negative territory, which is what your example that you just gave is, then you've got to seriously consider the viability of that investment long term because if you're losing money by even though it's only a thousand dollars a year um, per year over 10 years that's ten thousand dollars roughly yeah you want to make sure that your property is giving you some other value and obviously going up in yeah. value so i guess if this situation was a property that i owned and i said i'm happy to take the thousand dollar a year cash hit yeah i'm hoping that the property might grow in value by twenty thousand dollars a year yeah Correct. So, so you're at a 19k net gain on paper. Yeah. So I will yeah. say, like, rewind to 1998, and every man and his dog was writing a book. How I purchased mm. 200 properties in three years, yeah, and yes. you know we leapfrog along. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that's possible in this day and age because the banks are getting so strict on their lending, and you know with negative gearing, a big question mark on it, whether... So, uh, again, that's probably a segue. The government is trying to stop this little taxation loophole. Correct. And is it a loophole? Maybe. I don't think it is. I think it's just law at the moment. Um, But the government are trying to say, no, Glenn, if you buy a property, you can no longer use that $12,000 loss as a tax deduction. Yeah, so it's actually the opposition at the moment, not the actual government in power. Sure. So there, and we're going straight to that now. Let's do it. Let's right. So, so basically, uh, leader of the opposition, Bill Shorten, is saying, "Well, this is our proposed changes to negative gearing if we get into power." 
Yeah. Right? Now, the investor of the world are having a hissy fit because they're saying, well, we won't be able to claim what we've been able to claim for the last 30 years or however long we've been investing. So, conversely, that could mean if overnight... Well, I'll actually step up a notch and say, I don't think there's any chance in hell that they would make this legislation be retrospective. I think it would be grandfathered. And so, for example, if you buy a new property after 1 July 2020, Mm -hmm. um, we will allow you to negatively gear it. If it's a brand new purchase, maybe. We don't know the details because they do want to still stimulate the building and construction industry. Is that a fair comment? Yeah. So, I... I put an article out this week and we'll share that on our um, Facebook page. But In the group. We'll share it in the group because then the people group. can chat about it. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, uh, you're right. They, they propose changes f- from the opposition are saying, well, we won't make it retrospect. So, if you've got a property and you've been claiming, continue business as usual. Happy days. We also will not impact uh, new builds or new construction. So you can still claim your depreciation and your running costs of that property because, as you said, we want to um, encourage new construction and industry and and make sure the economy stays um, stays afloat. afloat. Yeah, The ones that will be impacted is anyone who buys a property with their proposed changes, anyone who buys a property post the uh, uh, rules being implemented that are existing properties not brand new right so if i go and if these laws um, pass which again i believe they won't but they did for a while back in the 80s i think or early 90s and that lasted about six months before it was retracted again Um, if i buy one going forward if these are implemented um, and i buy a property that's let's say 10 years old I won't be able to claim the negative portion of the running expenses. Mm. So in that example that you gave, the 5K that was negative, I won't be able to claim. So essentially, I'm not doing it for any year-on-year tax advantage. There'll be no real tax benefits to existing uh, properties. Yeah. 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 And I mean, what's your view? I mean... I don't know if the world would end if they did implement it. And that was my message in the in that when I read that article and sent that out to my to my clients was the world isn't going to end. It, it will it come into play whether or not it does it's out of our control. Sure. But if it does, we know that we'll still survive and we'll still wake up in the morning. We just need to make different choices based on our on those rules and what it's going to suit our investing. If you're an investor out there or want to be investor that's going to invest for tax reasons only, I say don't do it. No, that's right. It's always a side benefit. Because it's that you've got to have an overarching strategy. Yeah. So if the rules change or something happens, you don't have to be reactionary. Correct. And then yeah. you'll end up at a, you know, you do anything reactionary and generally it might have a negative financial uh, impact. Yes. So I think there... So, back to negative gearing. So, the political side of it. And I will say, I actually know somebody in the Prime Minister's office. So, I think in the new year, I'll I'll put out to the PM if I can zip down to his office and get him on the podcast. Why not? And I'll also extend the same invite to the leader of the opposition, Bill Shorten, because I want to know, hey, for our listeners under 30, why should I vote for either of you? be like getting a magpie and a plover in the same room, I would have thought. It'd be pretty funny. I mean... <laughs> it would be. 
So I, I do legitimately, I will be reaching out to uh, the Prime Minister's office and the leader of the opposition to say, do you want to come on the show just for five minutes and, you know, try and sell a few votes or whatever yeah. they do. But um, So back to negative gearing. Are there any other misconceptions that are out there? Yeah, I think the the misconception is straight away that if um, if the property's going to cost me money to hold, that I'm going to be in a better financial position because I can get it all back in a tax yep. refund, yep. right? So a lot of accountants out there, and hello to all the accountants listening. Shout out. Um, they might say... Oh, and I will just say we're good um, friends. <laughs> we are. We're good friends with the accountants. So they might say, well, you've got a tax issue. You're earning too much money. Let's try and lower... Reduce the tax. Yeah, reduce that tax by buying an investment property. That's where most will then stop. And then it's over to you to then find out, well, what's um, what, what's going to be best for me and, and which property am I going to buy? So the, there's a lot of negatively geared properties out there that are still costing the money after tax. So I get my tax refund back. And as we said before in the example, it was costing $1,000 a year. I know um, investors out there, it's costing them ten grand a year after they get their tax refund. So mm. they want to... And just on the misconceptions, the funniest myth and misconception that I see out there is people saying, I'll buy this and I'll claim it on tax yeah. as if... I'll buy this $1,000 thing for work and the government will give me that money back because I'm claiming it on tax. Either in denial or confirmation bias, one of the two. Totally. So, how it works is it's all to do with your tax rate. So, a simple way to do this. So, this same person who is earning $70,000 a year and are paying $15,000 worth of tax. And I must say, I meet financial advisors and accountants who don't do this simple thing, and it's alarming that they don't understand it or get it. None of them of which listen to the show. Um, but let's so $15,000 divided by $70,000 gives us 21.43, okay? Mm-hmm. So 21%, rounded up 22. Actually, for this purpose of the conversation, we'll assume they're effective tax rate is 20%. Yep. Okay. So, if I purchase something for work that was $1,000, yep. okay, my effective tax rate being 20%, the only actual financial benefit I would get for $1,000 would be $200, quote unquote, back. Mm-hmm. So, that's all you need to know. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so if we go back to your example where you said there was a negative 5K of running costs yep. and you said 7K of depreciation. So, in again, if the changes come through and that 7K of depreciation is no longer there, at a 20% tax rate, they would be only getting a $1,000 refund on the on the 5K. There's no depreciation. Yeah. Right? So, they're actually losing four grand a year now. Yeah. Right, so reasonable change for someone who's got and or buying a new property going forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you just really, again, it just goes back to strategy. And I will say, uh, we do have a, an episode about superannuation penned, and I will, I'll mention it now. But basically, working out your marginal, your effective tax rate, 
is the, I think it's the key to of all knowledge almost. Mm. Uh, a lot of accountants and financial advisors will tell somebody to salary sacrifice to super yep. that might earn under $50,000 a year. And when you put money in super, your tax at 15%, where the effective tax rate outside of super might only be 13%. That's right. So I've seen professional people tell people to salary <laughs> sacrifice to super and it's costing them tax overall. Overall, yeah. Um, so look at your personal situation first, right? Totally. Yeah. And if you're an accountant or a financial advisor who does not look at the effective tax rate and the wash up, mm. uh, you might need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> 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 thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm here all week. So yes, not all doom and gloom in the in the property world. Absolutely. Uh, going forward, it's uh, still a beautiful investment tool. It is. It is. Now, I wanted to move now back to that whole rent vesting situation. And we've got two little questions here. Renee, she joined the Facebook group. She said, would it be more beneficial financially to buy an investment property close to home so I can live in it briefly in Sydney and get the first homeowner's grant or invest somewhere with a higher rental yield, but not be eligible for it, the first homeowner's grant? Yeah, good question. So can you Thank solve you, all our I world problems? <laughs> I'm presuming a couple of things when I answer this. Sure. Um, first one is that the yield that you would potentially be getting in Sydney, I, I presume that you're saying is very low. Um, I'm, I'm not sure of the deposit funds that you've got to put into the deal. And for those, um, I'll just jump in there, mm-hmm. for those who might not know what yield means, um, when you yield, it's usually a return. So something yields something. So, if you're receiving rent, that based on a percentage of... Actually, let's do a live example, just because I think this is important. So, I've got a... We'll assume I'm receiving $420 a week rent for something times 52. That's $21,000 a year. Yes. If the property was worth $500,000, I'll divide that 21,840 divided by 500,000 equals 4.3%. Yep. So... That's the gross yield. That's the gross yield yes. before tax. Yes. And then there's a net yield that says I'm I'm taking into account all my running expenses and that'll give me a lower yield. Percentage. Um, which will be a net yield of probably around about 2.5% or sure. something like that. So she's saying that um, with a higher yield, do, we, do I invest somewhere else other than Sydney with a higher yield? Yeah. So my cash flow or overall running costs of that property are sure. less. Okay. So... So that's one part of the equation. The other part is, well, where is Sydney in the property cycle at the moment? Um, And the last three to four years has been growth, as everyone would probably know. Um, So I'm maybe buying at the top of that market as we speak. Is that a good thing uh, just for the sake of a first homeowner's grant? Now, we've spoken about this before. If she's maybe saving... 20 grand on the first homeowner's grant with stamp duty. Um, can we buy in a better location growth wise to make that 20 grand up in the short term? Which might not actually be a physical, I've made 20 grand, but I've got something for such a good deal yes. that my net worth is increased more than 20 grand. And my cash flow, my yield that she's referring to is higher. Yeah. Right. So my suggestion would be to look at both of those things first uh, and we need to have a coffee yeah. um, to, to understand the, the non-negotiables when looking at that and not just, wow, I'm getting a first homeowner's grant. 
And John, would you be happy to have a coffee with Renee and possibly her partner in Sydney at some stage? Yeah, yeah. Look, I get to Sydney weekly, so that wouldn't be uh, an issue. Time, time pending. So, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, it's a it's a common one out there, isn't it? The first homeowner trying to enter the market, servicing's tighter for lending, so they mm. need if they can get a greater yield on paper with a value uh, a rental appraisal, that may allow them to service a higher purchasing property. So Renee, can you just um, on Instagram just send at my millennial money, send me an inbox, and I'll um I'll connect you. I'll give you John's email or something, and. You know, he's happy to just have a coffee with you guys or yourself just for half an hour at no cost. So, that's cool. Cost her a coffee probably. Yeah, it'll cost you $4. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I had a $3.50 coffee the other day. Wow, that's good, mate. It is. Um, so, it's interesting. And the best way to have a higher yield, because you need a reference point for yield, the best way to have a higher yield is to pay a less price up front. So, with the property market uh, in Sydney decreasing and coming off, Maybe in the future, you might be able to get a higher yield yeah. for Sydney real estate, but at the moment, maybe not. And I just wanted to chat about another example that um, a couple of weeks ago, I was, at, I was at an event and I was talking to uh, a young girl. She was, I think, 20, we'll just say 25, her and a partner, mid-20s. They both live at their home, uh, their parents' homes. Yep. Uh, they've been together for a million years. They're looking at purchasing a home to live in. Yeah. Okay. So they wanted to buy a house in Sydney and we can assume that they've got good incomes and the serviceability and blah, blah, blah is good. Mm. So they wanted to buy a house and I said, oh, what are you thinking? I'm like, you know, that's a million dollars without even <laughs> having to look into yeah. any area. So they want to live, you know, close to, we'll just say the inner West, for example, million dollars. And I said, to, and I challenged her and I said, look, that's, pretty big deal for me um first home million dollars yeah i said is that the most bang for your buck and are there other strategies john if they did have the borrowing power for a million dollars yeah do you think that's the best bank for their buck look if uh if we put a million dollars into the sydney market four years ago there's a good chance that we might have made five or six hundred thousand conservatively wow um has the horse bolted? <laughs> <laughs> There's a really, in a lot of suburbs, the answer to that's probably yes. The horse has bolted in terms of growth in this particular cycle. So, again, for Renee and everyone else, it's, yeah, I can buy close to home if I want to still live at home, um, claim the first home as grant for six months, live in it, move back home, etc. My yield's going to be lower, but also know that I may have um, bought in a, peaky market or a moving to a flat market which potentially means that yields are less because there may be a, a sense of oversupply or, or lower buyer sentiment as well as rental sentiment uh, but the peace of mind of buying local may be enough for someone to to actually go through with that but what's your long-term outcome are you wanting to live in that home is that for your forever home or are you buying for an investment purpose for a wealth creation. or something, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think if you are buying, because um, a lot of people are like, oh, we'll buy it, we'll get it revalued and use the equity to buy an investment property. Yeah. I'm like, darling, if you're buying in Sydney tomorrow, uh, you're waiting 10 years, maybe. Mm. I, I don't know. Um, I'd be too scared to get a valuation in a year's time. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd never bank on the fact that 
in five years' time, I'm going to get my money back out and reinvest it into a new market. Totally. And um, that's what comes back to strategy. Yeah. So, and I, I just said to them, I said, look, you want to live in the inner west. Why couldn't you both just rent somewhere? Yeah. And they're not living together at the moment. Um, it's like Dirty Mike's thing. You want to run out and <laughs> yeah. buy a house together. It's exactly like Dirty Mike's case yeah, studies. Dirty Mike. Um, oh, yeah. I chatted with him the other day. They're, How's he getting on? Yeah, they're starting to look for rentals. Um, cool. And um, yeah, I think we've hosed him off a little bit. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what I was, I was thinking? Like, I need to chat to his... Because I know his parents. I need to tell them, hey, I think you need to put some conditions on... Because it's their guarantee, right? Yeah. So, I was like, yeah, we'll give you a parental guarantee. That's cool. Yeah. But because it's our money... And our mortgage yeah. and our home will only do it if you are married and you've lived in the town you want to buy for yeah. six months. A, B, and C. Then that's yeah. done. So, I'm going to call um, his parents and have a chat to them. <laughs> a bit of family counselling. Giddy up. Yeah. Uh, shout out if you're listening, Dirty Mike, your missus, I was about to say her name. And, <laughs> Which uh, you would be. Mr. and Mrs. Mike, like the parents. Um, <laughs> so, I, I basically said to them, why wouldn't you just rent in town? And then if mm. you are going to be together forever, we want to build wealth. What if you did get rid of your eggs from yeah. the one basket? Yeah. And I don't you're the property guy, but buy a house in Adelaide, buy a house in Brisbane worth five hundred grand. Mm. And the tax advantages, buy brand new, you know, if it's happening, mm. they would almost pay no tax <laughs> or yeah. a, a fair chunk reduced. Yeah, well I mean as a rule of thumb and, and not giving account, accounting advice here, but yeah. four or five properties. I, I will give life advice here for general financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, f- four or five properties back in the day, um, good, correct, strategized properties yeah, yeah. would uh, reduce some, some taxable income quite considerably to the point on a, if they're paying 25 grand a year, then um, a lot of that would be... Uh, minimized. Yeah, I and I was even thinking the other day, like Sydney is now an international city. Mm. If the prices did drop by three hundred grand, it's still nuts, right? Yeah. So well, and that's that's the other point um, is that if it does drop three hundred grand, and I did a video this week on it, it it may be a is that on your website? Uh, it'll be coming out next week. Oh, sweet! Yeah. So it'll be on by the time this goes live. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, I think, look, 5 to 10% is probably the correction that it needs. Um, but is it an opportune time to buy in when it does drop that 10%? Absolutely, if the time is right and, and the yields are right. if it is something that you want to live in and make it your home. Yeah, correct. If, if all the stars are light, then that's why there's no... When there's five people at a barbecue, no... F- Neither of or any of those five should have the same strategy. And just while we're wrapping up, because you've got to walk out the door, um, it's easy to walk into any property relatively. So these people can go buy a property tomorrow. Dirty Mike can go and buy a property tomorrow with his mum's guarantee, right? It's easy to walk into a property purchase. Mm. It's not easy to get out. No. Yeah, the transaction costs. Yeah. Are, well, it's like debt. You. It's easy to walk into debt. I can go to. Yeah. I can go tomorrow and buy a brand Correct. new car. I drive it out. It's less thirty grand. What? What? Less thirty grand than what I paid for yeah. it. Can't sell. It's it's easy to walk into debt. Yeah. And there are these decisions. You can't walk out. Unwind. It is a long yeah. crawl. Yeah. No. Good. Good. Uh, good point. But uh-huh. yeah, as I was saying, distressed buyer out there, if they 
did drop 10% and we were in a position where they needed to sell and we're ready to buy, all of a sudden we've got an opportunity. Totally. Now, just book ending this whole episode um, is so negative gearing. There's obviously the opposite, which is mm-hmm. positively geared. So gearing actually means you're gearing up. So you've borrowed money to invest. Yeah. And that's called geared. Okay. The negative gearing is also we've borrowed money, but it's running at a loss. Mm-hmm. Positively gearing, we're borrowing money, but perhaps we're buying it in a town where the rental, the prices to buy the houses are so cheap, yes. but the rental yield's really high. So there's no tax deduction. We've got to pay tax on that uh, income. Yeah. Is there an ideal situation, John? Uh, again, it's it's individual dependent, isn't it? Because some on, on a lower income, um, the the extra cash flow might be really beneficial for them, even though they're potentially paying a little bit more tax at the end. The cash flow in their life is really solid for them. Whereas someone on a higher income, um, I don't want to pay any more tax than what I'm already p- paying. Um, positive cash flow in short, is a is a great outcome, isn't it? I would be more than happy with a positive cash flow <laughs> yeah. and positively geared possibly situation. Yeah. The the issue in today's market places for most of them around the country, and when I say most, I'm talking the, the top caps. 30 cities by yep. population, is that the yields are a lot, lot lower and mm. most of the time will be negative cash flow. Sure. Um, but there are strategies to create positive cash flow outcomes in those particular locations with... Mm. Um, dual living and um, granny flats and things like that. Yeah. Well, for another day. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for uh, that good chat. And as I said, Aaron will be back uh, with me. So it's not the same. I don't feel it's nah, as fun. Just, uh, but, it's a um, missing part of the triangle, isn't it? Totally. But um, she's she's going good. And that was really good. And I hope you learned something there. And yeah. again, if you want us to cover any topics, just throw it up in the private Facebook group. Anyone who joins the Facebook group, we ask you if you've got any questions. So we really want to keep tailoring this podcast for to you, listener. the listener. It's our podcast. It's your podcast. Yep. We'll see you guys soon. Boom. Bye. Bye. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature only and has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. Please seek personal advice prior to acting on this information. Before making a decision to acquire a financial product, you should obtain and read the product disclosure statement relating to that product. Opinions constitute our judgment at the time of issue and are subject to change. Neither the licensee, any of the National Australia Group of Companies, nor their employees or directors give any warranty of accuracy nor accept any responsibility for errors or omissions in this podcast. Glenn James, Urban Ghetto Project Limited, trading as Sort Your Money Out, are authorised representatives of Apogee Financial Planning Limited, AFSL 230689. Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 